Hey, make sure you order your Coaching You videos, 15 videos, 10 NBA coaches, best content we've ever had. Go to 2018.coachingyou.tv, $249 for 15 videos. Order today. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. I wanted to announce a new partnership between Coaching You and Inner Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry. And it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When it, the folks from Interzone came to me at Coaching You and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what Interzone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of Interzone with your team, whether you are a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to coachingyoulive.com slash Interzone. That's I-N-N-E-R. Z-O-N-E. Hey, welcome to another edition of Coaching You uh, with the coach, Brendan, sir. And I'll tell you today, uh, what a treat. Uh, spent a weekend in College Station uh, doing Gary Blair Coaching Academy and fell in love with uh, what they do at their clinic uh, the way they treat the coaches down there and uh, how much content they give everyone coming in. And it's just a neat clinic. If you're a Texas resident, it's a must-see. Uh, it's a Saturday-Sunday event. But if you can't get there, uh, what I really recommend you doing is going and ordering from Bob Starkey uh, a thumb drive. The entire clinic, all the speakers, some extra notes, Bob's PowerPoint for $50. It, it, it's, it's, it's just incredible. Uh, I'll put on our newsletter uh, where to get it and stuff because it is a must-have for a coach that just loves and wants to keep learning. I spoke this weekend on offense, and Jim Boone, the great coach of Delta State, did his pack line defense. And if you haven't heard Jim speak, 
maybe the best clinic speaker in the country on that topic. So, uh, and then Bob Starkey's incomparable on what he does and Gary Blair's an offensive genius. So a lot of neat stuff, good people and uh, a real treat. So I think you're going to enjoy this incredible, incredible coach and personality, Gary Blair. Let me tell you a little bit about coach Blair, 47 years of coaching high school and college ball, 32 years of college coaching, uh, 358 weeks in the top 25. Uh, he's an NCAA champion in 2011. Two Final Fours, four Elite Eights, 11 Sweet Sixteens, 27 20 win seasons, 27 years of 20 win seasons, 24 NCAA tournaments, and 765 career victories in college. A man's a legend, but more importantly, he's a great person and a hell of a coach. Let's enjoy Gary Blair. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. And welcome to another edition of our Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Sir. And just got back from a fabulous weekend in College Station, Texas, and uh, was the guest of uh, the incomparable Hall of Fame coach, Gary Blair, at his coaching academy. Coach, I can't thank you enough for inviting me and can't thank you enough for doing this podcast. I know it's going to be a treat to our thousands and thousands of listeners around the world. Well, Brendan, it's my honor. We appreciate what you did this weekend. Uh, You came down and gave an offensive presentation and just a way of life about coaching. You have that easygoing personality and you don't have to be that hardcore person to be able to get your point across. And I think uh, people gravitate towards you and they listen. And there's a lot of people that hear, but but when you listen and then not that you're writing down notes, you make people from a junior high coach to a high school to a college coach appreciate the game. And we all have a passion for it. Like I try to tell some people, there's a lot of people that love the game, but I try to live the game. And I know that's what you're doing as well. Let's talk about living the game the way you have. So you've coached at the high school and the college level. You have over 1,100 wins 
altogether, 765 wins in college alone. Not that we judge people, as you know, by your wins, but really what, you know, you know, you you give your players really, in my opinion, that's to, you know, you know, where you take your players, as we'd like to say. And what keeps, I mean, you, you know, you've done everything in coaching. You've won national championships, you know, and we'll get onto all your honors later. But, but what keeps you going to want to keep doing this? This is what I love about you. I guess I'm a late bloomer. Uh, <laughs> a lot of that. I didn't, uh, I didn't start high school coaching until I was 27. Really? Because I had the Marine Corps. Oh, right. And it took me six years to get a good four year education. You know how that goes, most of us coaches. And, uh, the Marine Corps was good for me. It settled me down. I got to high school and at Dallas South Oak Cliff. I'm a product of Title IX. Because when Title IX happened in 72, 73, that's when women's athletics started in the large cities in Texas. They uh -huh. used to just play six-on-six -six basketball in the smaller towns. But there was no athletics in Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, El Paso, or Fort Worth. And so Title IX came in. And I got the job by accident. I was waiting around my first year for a baseball job or a boys' basketball job. That's how I got started because the girls came over next door while I was running an intramural program and asked me if I would coach them because the two women PE teachers, they did drill team and cheerleaders. And our high school was one of the most well-known high schools in the state of Texas, Dallas South Oak Cliff. And so uh, that's how I got started, by accident, and I loved it. And uh, so if I was going to coach, I coached all four sports that they were going to give us. Uh, I had track, cross country, and volleyball, and I had uh, a deal. If you're going to play for me, you're going to play all four sports. <laughs> And that's what my kids did. I kept them in training during the whole year. And back then, in the Dallas area back then, uh, when I got out of high school in 63, Dallas South Oak Cliff was an all-white school. And that's who we beat for the city championship uh, in baseball. If you remember, a guy that played Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Mike Livingston, was a quarterback. Right. That was that was their stud, and he played with us in the summertime. So, make a long story short, integration hit in '68 in the Dallas area, and the schools just sort of changed overnight. I got my job first as a physical education teacher after I graduated from Texas Tech, and I started waiting around to get into coaching. Everything was full, and I got started by accident. And I've loved it. When we won our first state championship in 77, Norman Jed, who was the head football coach, asked me if I wanted to be now the head baseball coach and be the coordinator of the junior varsity in football thought about it because all my friends were in the men's game mm -hmm. I turned it down and one of the best decisions ever made in my life 
I turned down the ego that most guys thought that they had to be in the men's side to be effective and to have a name for themselves. Mm -hmm. And it has worked out for me. And today I'm starting my 47th year of coaching with high school and college. Wow. Let's talk about uh, some of the young ladies that you had in your first high school job. And the young kid that used to be in your PE class. Oh. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, remember, six on six, there hadn't been basketball, but there were athletes walking the halls of Southwell Cliff all over the place. Our cheerleaders and our drill team were as good of athletes as you've ever seen and beautiful young ladies, but uh, that's what they got involved in. And so uh, that's how I got started. I remember my first All-American that I had at South Oak Cliff was a young lady named Barbara Brown, who actually had a baby after her ninth grade year while she was over at the junior high. And she thought her career was over. They didn't think you could play athletics if you were a mom. But we talked to the administration she ended up having a great career. She just had her 60th birthday uh, two weeks ago that I couldn't attend because of recruiting. And that young lady went on to Stephen F. Austin. She was a guard, not a forward in six-on-six. Six. She was the first girl to ever get called for goaltending in the state of Texas, maybe anywhere in high school ball. Got called for goaltending on a horrible call. <laughs> She actually took the ball to the backboard, didn't take it off of the backboard, right. but it was hilarious watching it because we were playing at the Wayland Baptist Queens tournament, eight colleges, eight high schools. And, of course, we were the first all-black team to play in that tournament. They'd never seen anything like us, and uh, Barbara was that good. She went on to Stephen F., was on the great teams with Sue Gunner coaching her. She was uh, alternate on the 1980 Olympic team, then came back into coaching, was a great mom to her son, and then later on uh, got married uh, 10 years later and had another beautiful daughter uh, who's working at University of Texas, I believe, in, in their sports department. How about that? But Barbara was special. And that was just one of the many that got out of South Oak Cliff that went on to be successful. And I'm just as proud as those kids and I am of the All-Americans that I've had in college. So you had you ran into this former player of mine when he was a high school kid, Dennis Rodman. Explain oh, that yes. story about Dennis. Well, Dennis, our PE classes, I was a physical education teacher. And so I had my first year, I had five classes of PE. Plus, I was coaching on seventh period, uh, the women's athletics, and I had hall duty at lunchroom. I'd break up the craps game behind the portables <laughs> at lunch. Now, that college does not get you ready for that. You've got to know how to do that, particularly if somebody's hot rolling, <laughs> rolling the bones. You've got to know how to do it. You just don't want to go into that thing. But well, Dennis was in my third period PE class. Uh, the other PE uh, teacher w 
with me was Cottrell Applewhite, a football coach. And uh, Dennis was in our PE class for all three years, 10th, 11th, and 12th. And he was the most ordinary kid you've ever seen. He was five foot 11. And I'd play ping pong with him every day after we'd get through shooting basketballs or whatever. And it wasn't until his senior year that he was good enough to be chosen to play on the two end baskets. We, cause you have six baskets in the gym. So normally the, the side baskets we call the chunk baskets. Those are the kids that didn't get chosen to play on the five on five games on the end. And so Dennis, but the one thing Dennis had, he had two sisters that ended up being all American for me. Deborah was at six two, went on to La Tech and won two national championships, a second and a third. Was married uh, later on. Her daughter played at Western Kentucky. And then Kim was the most easygoing of the three. She went on to Stephen F. Austin to play for Sue Gunner. And she's a proud mama back in Dallas. Dennis, there's no way <laughs> you said he was going to be the best defensive rebounder and maybe de- defensive player that's ever played the pro game. Right. Isn't that uh, amazing? That's what happens sometimes. You don't ever give up on opportunity. Did you uh, beat him in ping pong, Gary? Uh, I could beat him in ping pong. I could beat him <laughs> in basketball. I cannot touch what his bankroll is now, and I definitely could not beat him. But Dennis was your ordinary kid. Uh, I was so proud of him, and I've told that story in recruiting so many times when I go into the homes because all the young ladies always have a little brother. And I will tell them yeah. about Dennis Rodman. And what he's done with his life and how smart he is as a basketball player. And you might tell the audience now what it was like coaching him when he played for the Detroit Pistons. Sure. That is, that is an absolutely amazing thing, you know. So when you when you came, you start, when you get your first college job, was that at Arkansas? No, no. No, okay. The first college job was at Louisiana Tech. Oh, okay. Um uh, that I had worked their camps like most high school coaches used to do. I worked yeah. five camps a summer. Sure. Uh, you'd go around the circuit. I'd work for Bob Snyder at uh, West Texas State or Leon Barmore, Sonny Allen at mm-hmm. SMU, Dave Bliss at SMU. I would go wherever I could learn the game a little bit better, and this is what high school coaches are not doing now. Yeah, exactly. This This is what they need to do to network and also to learn the game better and to give back to the game, not worry about their paycheck or how much they're going to get at the end of the week. They're getting experience. Right. So that's, that's basically what I did. I went to La Tech as the assistant coach for 22000 That's exactly what I was making at Dallas South Hope Cliff with my master's. And we had just won a state championship, went 40-0. and 0, And Leon Barmore and Sonia Hogue, the coaches at La Tech, knew me. And they had already signed Deborah Rodman, who was already there as a freshman. The assistant coach at the time went into the sporting goods business sometime in late October. And they asked me in November if I'd be interested in coming. 
And it took me about two weeks before I could make up my mind I was going to go to college because I loved my high school team so much. And I was going to win state again probably the next year. And I was basically on a roll where I'd won 115 out of 116 games. And, uh, but best decision I ever made again, second best, staying in women's basketball next, taking the job at Louisiana Tech. Loved every minute of it. And that was during the glory years at La Tech when Barmore was the Bobby Knight of women's basketball. And Sonia Hogue was the first lady of women's basketball who started the program, was a great recruiter, a great ambassador. And both of those two people are in the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. So how long did you stay there, Gary? Five years. Mm -hmm. Sonia, actually, uh, here's the thing. Uh, First year we won national championship, didn't lose a game. Next year we won national championship, lost one game. The next year we got beat by Cheryl Miller in the semifinals and lost two games. The next year, Cheryl Miller and USC again beat us in the finals. We lost three games. And the last year, Sonia was retiring, getting out of it. She was had gone through a divorce, and she was moving to Texas to be a high school coach. Leon was going to take over. We got upset in the Elite Eight by Northeast Louisiana, which is now called Louisiana Monroe, which is 35 miles. So we got beat with a pretty doggone good ball club, but Northeast Louisiana had a very good ball club as well. And they should have won the game. They outplayed us. And so then I took the Stephen F. Austin job, which I turned down the year before because I just kept thinking this thing was just going to keep rolling, getting to the Final Four. (laughs) But I took the Stephen F. Austin job. The program had gone downhill after Sue Gunner left to go to LSU. And I inherited a 3-24 and team. Oh, jeez. And and the worst news, Brendan, they were all coming back. (laughs) So... (laughs) I had to, I had to coach and recruit as hard as I could that first year, and we went sixteen and fifteen, and that might be my best coaching job that I had. But I'd say so. My God, that's how I got started. Oh, so when you ended up coming to taking the A and M job, what was the program's condition like? Because you know, coaches. People only know what's going on now, but tell, tell people what it was like back in, was it 02 when you went there? 03, 04. Uh, okay. Basically, I left Arkansas, which was a top 25 program, right? and we'd gone to the Final Four in 98 and got beat by Tennessee's best team ever with the three Meeks. And, but we were just coming off of three straight more NCAA tournaments, but... I wanted to come home, and Texas A&M had been a sleeping giant for so long. They've had a couple good players every now and then, but they didn't have the commitment from the administration. And all of a sudden, uh, Bill Byrne got hired from Nebraska to be the athletic director. And he walked in, and he says, we're going to make this a total program not just a football school or a basketball school. And I believed in him. 
and I had to leave my family behind because they stayed in Arkansas yeah. to take to take the Texas A&M job because they knew we could do this commuter thing for a few years. We'd all be together. But it just kept going. But A&M had never had a winning season, I think, in the last eight years. And they'd fallen on hard times. They were in the bottom. They were the worst team in the Big 12. The conference office could probably beat us back then. And we just... We just recruited, and I was lucky enough to bring two of my assistants with me. I brought Coach Schaefer, Vic Schaefer, who was an Aggie himself. He graduated in 84, and he turned down a couple lesser head jobs to come with me. And I brought Kelly Bond White, Marie, who had been with me three years at Arkansas. Then I hired a high school coach, uh, Amy Sharon, who had connections here in Texas, and we went to work. And that first year has been the only losing team that I've had in my career in any sport. I think we went 9-18 and 18 and was in almost every single ball game. But then it's been a great ride since then. We made the WNIT the next year got to the quarterfinals, and then we've been into 13 straight NCAA tournaments ever since. So right now, consistency is what Texas A&M is all about, and I'm very lucky to have this job. So, you know, you've had 27 20-win seasons as a coach and 24 NCAA tournaments. I mean, that's almost... You know, other than, I mean, that's, well, it's legendary status on either side of the game uh, that only a few have. Uh, and, and so as a style of play, you know, I know you're an offensive wizard and genius, but what, what, what do you think goes into that consistency, you know, from your standpoint? I think, now I know a lot of purists in high school coach and they they run the flex offense and everything like that and it's a beautiful offense that works but i believe in isolating players in situation i run set plays probably 80 percent of the time some even i run a set play off of a motion offense if the first thing doesn't go right we have a quick hitter that we go into and I believe in putting players in the best position. I'm going to have a two guard that's going to have to be a shooter, not just a scorer. She's going to have to be able to come off screens and read, and she's got to be a combo one, two. You build your program around your point guard, just like a quarterback in football or a catcher or a shortstop in baseball. You build your program. And I've had some of the best point guards you've ever seen in your life, all the way from high school. Then when you get to Louisiana Tech and you have Kim Mulkey, mm. Jennifer White, and Teresa Weatherspoon. Okay, wow. that's, that's, that's a pretty good handle right there. Yeah. And then when I go to Stephen F., I had Stacy Brown, great kid. Then I go to Louisiana Tech, and I have Christy Smith and Amy Wright for eight years, two Indiana kids that called ever play for me for eight years. Go to A&M, 
It's called Point Guard University because our point guards go on to that next level if they want to play pro ball. And I'm, I'm very lucky to say I, I coached Sidney Colson that won a national championship and way back when I first got started to Carl Williams, uh, Jordan Jones, uh, they've all Adrian Pratcher and now I've got Kennedy Carter. So, uh, Kennedy is keeping me from retirement or driving, <laughs> or driving you to it one or the other. Because <laughs> Kennedy, I really believe, is the most explosive guard. And that's not just me bragging. Yeah. I think she's the most explosive guard in the country that can do a lot of things. And she proved that last year as a freshman. You know, when I saw her practice on Friday, uh, you know, because I, I, I've seen all the great women's teams practice over the last 10 years and, you know, seeing all Gino's teams and stuff. Uh, and when all of a sudden I walked in the gym and I saw her, saw her body and her strength. And all of a sudden you said, this is a pro body. This is, this is, this is a different type of woman here. Uh, what, what makes her special? And then what are we going to work on to get her to a level of greatness that she's that she deserves? Well, the first thing her dad did a great job with her growing up and mm -hmm. she played for DFW elite, one of the better programs in the state during the summer. And then she played, uh, for Mansfield Timberview for Kit Kyle, uh, young lady who used to be my assistant in Arkansas. And this was a kid that just constantly worked on her handle, constantly learned the game by watching television, whether it's the Dallas Mavericks or NBA teams or all of the top college teams. Uh -huh. Her dad used to mow the backyard a little bit tighter for she would learn how to dribble in grass with a tennis ball. And he says, if you can handle a tennis ball in grass, you can handle a basketball on wood with no problem. And wow. I thought that was one of the most interesting things I've ever heard of. Me too. And that's why her handle is just so good. I mean, she could cross you over. Uh, mm -hmm. She needs to be on those old teams, the and one teams. Yeah. With the professor. Don't worry. She's got the professor's move down pat. She's got all his moves. But she just wants, she's got the love of the game and the work habits in the game, and she wants to win. She's played on two USA teams already, and they move her to the two guard because of her scoring opportunities and her ability to create. Now, I think that's where she will end up eventually for me when I can find that next point guard that can come in and can run a team like Sidney Colson could or, right. or some of my others. But I've got some coming, recruiting some others. <laughs> but the greatness of a player, are you afraid or not afraid to take that last shot at the end of the game? When we were 17 town at home to DePaul and we came back in the fourth quarter and we're down by two on the last possession and she's flying down the court, you should see the move that she made 
the the juke, the crossover, the step back, the three, the three, not the two, the three to win the ball game. No way. And it was a classic move that will always go into the highlights of Texas A&M, no matter what sports you're talking about. And I'm sure my good friend Doug Bruno <laughs> has seen that over and over in his sleep when he's sitting there drinking a Miller Lite every night. <laughs> but he he has seen that move enough. But, but I'll Doug a, a game like that every now and then because he beat me here in a home game. <laughs> well, uh, Doug Bruno is an incredible coach and a part of our national team uh, coaching staff with Gino and uh, has a legendary program at DePaul. You know, how uh, now you've changed A&M into a women's basketball power. Uh, administration is important in that. How did you change the culture there? You know, you have the largest student body in America, of course, but how do you get them out of just being football mentality only and appreciate this one uh, incredible athletes you have? Now, first, that's tough. Yeah. First, you've got high school football, which is Friday Night Lights, good but call. it doesn't get any larger than high school football in this state. Yeah, good call. And then, but when you're looking at college football and all the great teams that you've had at A&M and Texas and even my alma mater, Texas Tech's had a few good teams and Baylor has had some good teams, and way back in the day, SMU and University of Houston and now TCU. I mean, there's room for everybody. And then when you look at my uh, beloved Dallas Cowboys and look what they did to Jacksonville yesterday, 40-7, to we finally got it right. <laughs> the Houston Texans won yesterday on the interception. This is a football state. Yeah. But – what state has had four national champions in women's basketball? Name me another state that's had three. Okay. We've had four. Okay. Wow. Texas in 86 and Texas Tech, I believe, 94. Baylor, 2005 and 12 and Texas A&M, 2011. The junior colleges have won national championships. The high schools, the players that were putting on Olympic teams from the Tamika Ketchens all, all the way down. This is a basketball state as well, but football sort of encompasses the, the world, what we do here. But there's room for us in basketball. And this is why everybody comes to this state to recruit not just basketball players, but uh, soccer players, football players, every sport. It's a great state. It is an amazing place. And it, and uh, that in Florida, you know, the populations, and it just keeps growing and growing. And the athletes that keep coming and migrating to those states are incredible. Uh now, you've been coaching, as we talked about in the beginning, 32 years in college, 47 years overall. Your passion for the game is unparalleled. Uh, the way you teach and love the game, uh, we from the time we got together on Friday morning at breakfast uh, to the time Saturday night when we finished, uh, you know, all we did was talk basketball what, and, and all the th challenges that we have in it. You coach a lot of great players. We explain to our audience 
how hard it is to coach great players as opposed to being easy because they're great. They What they expect of you, the coach, because they're so talented and smart. Well, first, to me, that term great is sometimes overused. You're Even right. our president says it a little bit too much. Okay. <laughs> but what, to me... If you want to talk about great, I want to talk about being a great person before I can be a great coach or a great teacher of the game. And it is just, I want to be able to put people in situations that they might be able to have great moments. It's hard to be great in anything in life or whatever, 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. It just, it just doesn't happen. We... We all make mistakes. Those things happen, but I love getting a kid to rise up to her ability. I'm looking at my office wall right now, and i got a collage behind my TV there of a girl named Daniel Gant. Came from Oklahoma, barely made it academically here. She graduated with a 2.5 and worked her butt off, got the award two years in a row for the kid that worked the hardest in tutorial and study halls and everything. To me, that's a person, Mm. a four-point student does not measure greatness if you've already got that IQ of 150 already. Mm -hmm. This, This is a kid that maxed out everything that she had. Second-round draft choice by Chicago, but she was a 5'10", four-player, that really couldn't make it in the WNBA, so she had to go overseas and play. To me, that's greatness. I'm just looking at her picture, which is about 10 feet away. I am as proud as her as I am of Daniel Adams, who was first-team State Farm All-American, or Kelsey Bone, who was drafted number five in the country when she got out by Lambeer in New York Liberty. Daniel Gant is just as important. That's the high that I get coaching. I do not get all of the McDonald All-Americans that some of the other kids or programs get. I I call the Blue Bloods, the (laughs) Connecticut's, the Tennessee's, the the Stanford's, the Notre Dame's, the Duke's, uh, the Texas's, the the Baylor's, the Louisville's. But who we're getting are kids that want to be here. It's my job as a coach. I wasn't a great player in baseball, horrible shooter in basketball. But I believe in being humble, believe in teaching the game. I believe in doing things right. If I can get kids to buy into my system and take the eye out of their forehead and put that we in there, then we have a chance to be a great team even if we do not become great individuals. And that's that's what it's all about. When we won in 2011, that was the best thing that could happen for women's basketball because here was a team that was well-coached of hard-working kids that didn't have but one McDonald's All-American, I believe, on that team. And we got it done, and it showed the blueprint for other programs across the country to go get it done. 
I think that's what you've seen at Mississippi State. When Coach mm-hmm. Schaefer went there, he took the same blueprint, got it done. You're seeing it at other programs across the country. Now, all of us would like to be at those blue blood programs in men and women's basketball, but sometimes that's just not the way it is. Can you take a Slippery Rock or a Stephen F. Austin or a Iona or Virginia Commonwealth and take them to that next level and feel good about your teaching, your coaching, and the education you're giving kids? To me, that's what greatness is all about. Uh, we can't all be Brittany Griner or LeBron. Sure. Okay. But we can be the best that we can be every day. There's a message above my TV over on this right wall here. It says, today I gave all I had. What I kept, I've lost forever. That's what I try to live by every day. And I fall short so many times. But then when I come in here in the office this morning, my other assistants are out recruiting today. I'm saying, hey, can I make a difference today? And that's all we do. I'm just Joe Blow. I didn't grow up in a rich family. I wasn't a great athlete. I was a good athlete in everything. But I'm not great in anything. But I understand greatness. And I try to get my teams to strive to be great. But the work in part of it, the practice part of it, and the other thing that I do, Brendan, I hire awfully well. I hire and I let them work. And that's what a lot of coaches do not do. They're afraid to hire somebody that might be a little bit smarter than you in certain areas. I hire good. So for 15 years here, I've only gone through uh, six coaches in 15 years of college coaching. And all of them have done well. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I've known about you, watched you work, um, you know, because of our, my friend Starkey. I've really, really followed you guys closely. But until last week, I never had the honor and privilege of meeting you. And I feel like we're, um, you know, kin kin's brothers uh, that have been made to be together. But uh, what an honor to visit with you last week and incredible for our listeners today, Gary, to learn from you and stuff. Uh, you're one of the treasures of basketball, not men, not women, just basketball. And your knowledge is incomparable, but more importantly, your passion's just so unique. And I uh, got the pleasure of meeting your grandson and your, you know, daughter and son-in-law. And uh, I tell you what, they don't fall far from the man upstairs. So congratulations yeah. on all that. You're you're very special and uh, keep coaching forever, man. You're you're so good. You're so good, and we the game needs you. Uh, you know what gets me going is when Tom Brady can win a ball game at 41 <laughs> years old over a kid that's probably more talented than him. Oh, when what Drew Brees did last yeah. week, or when my beloved Dallas Cowboys, who've been chastised all year that could play a perfect game like they did yesterday. I'm all for the old-timers. Jim Beheim, keep coaching. You're a year older than me. Krzyzewski, you're a year behind me. Okay. Uh, Gino, 
keep giving us all that blueprint. Saban, same thing, right? Yeah. I love it. I look love what Saban has done in football. Hey, we got the next Saban and Jimbo Fisher right here. He's pretty doggone He's good terrific. in his own right. So, yep. Well, I can't wait to come back and visit. Uh, it's a special place, and you're a special man. Uh, so thanks so much for sharing today, Gary. All right. Keep giving back to the game. Thank yeah. you, Brendan. Thanks, brother. Wow, that was that was incredible, and I love I love Coach Blair, and I'm t- and I can't wait for them to come to LSU this year. I'm going to make sure I'm in town so that we can go to dinner the night before he's buying. So that's what and we're going. I get to pick the restaurant, so that'll be really good. But again, all of you know Bob Starkey uh, and his incredible blog, you know, on Hoop Thoughts, and uh, just a great place. Uh, you know, to learn basketball and learn about different things that he's uh, motivation stuff. And, uh, you know, one of my dear mentors uh, in the game and love to learn uh, with Bob all the time uh, and a treat to go out there. And we'll talk about it a little bit in my newsletter uh, this week. But uh, listen, uh, if you get it, for those of you, whether you're coaching men's basketball, women's basketball, it doesn't matter. Coaching is coaching. And I'll tell you what, I've learned so much from women's coaches over the years, and they from us, okay? So open your minds up, open your hearts up, and again, as you're starting your practices now and getting ready for the season to begin, never stop learning. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Serve.